So we've started this new series, if you can't tell what it's called, uh, it's on the stage, So and it'll be on the screens, but it'll be on the stage every week when you come here for small groups, just in case you forget, we are talking about the I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. He makes these statements, and we've we talked about on Sunday morning, if you, if you weren't here with us, the reason we're doing this is because there's, a, there's an all-important question that Jesus asks his disciples. Uh, he says, who do you say that I am? And so whenever we hear something about someone, it's always a smart idea to go to the source, right? If I hear something about you, it would be smart of me instead of just going, hmm, okay, well, I don't know if that's true or not. It would be smart of me to go to the source, to say, hey, I heard this. Is this true? Right? And so I think we're going to lend Jesus the same courtesy through this series because what we're doing is we're going to what Jesus said about himself and we're saying, okay, if that's who Jesus said he is, then who do I begin to say that he is? Okay? And so the question I want to ask you guys tonight as we look at... Uh, this, this new saying of Jesus is what fills your life? Like what sustains you? What makes you get out of bed every single morning? What can you not wait for? I think every single one of us is going to have a different answer to that. And, and if I said, what sustains you? What, what fills you? What gives you energy? Like, I think a lot of us would probably say things like pizza, right? Pizza gives me energy, right? Uh, my, my daughter watches this, um, this show, and it's called Bo on the Go. Have you guys heard of this show? It's awful. It is absolutely terrible. But she, she does make you get up off the couch. She says, I need you guys to move with me. You got something like you guys working with me gives me energy to go to be Bo on the Go or something weird. So apparently kids getting up off the couch is what sustains Bo, right? And the maybe for some of you guys, the thing that you try to fill your life with, the thing that sustains you, the thing that drives you, the thing that gets you up in the morning, maybe it's the sport that you play. Maybe you're just an amazingly gifted athlete, and that's great. Good on you. Maybe you guys, if for some of you, it's academics. You are just driven to exceed or succeed and excel in the academic world. Your grades are the most important thing to you. Maybe in your family, that's the most important thing as well. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's friendships or a certain friendship. Like if that friendship ceased to exist, life as you know, it would be over. So you put all your stock in that friendship. Maybe for some of you guys, it's uh, a certain hobby, something you really enjoy doing. Okay, for me, when I was in uh, middle school, like sports, soccer was my thing. Soccer was uh, like the thing that got me up in the morning, the thing that I couldn't wait to do. Uh, when I got to high school, it became football. Later in high school and, and in college, it became snowboarding. It turned to a hobby that I do. It's a sport, right? But I wasn't playing competitively or anything. And maybe for some of you guys, it's entertainment. You can't wait to just binge watch the next thing on Netflix. Like, and when the show ends, you don't know what to do with your life. Like, you're the people that I have that I have like friends with on on Facebook that like I know their life is about to be over because they go, okay, Facebook family. Everyone, on the count of three, tell me what is the next best show to watch on Netflix. You know what that tells me? Their show ended, and they are absolutely bored. Okay? And so maybe for some of you, it's entertainment. Uh, and how many of us, though, I wonder how many of us in this room, if we were honest, would say that it's God. The thing that fills us, the thing that sustains us, the thing that we can't wait for every day. 
Is it God? Because I think that tonight what we're going to hear from Jesus is Jesus wants to be us. Jesus wants to be for us the only thing that we rely on, the thing that we need to have every day to pull us through. And he's the only thing that can honestly keep that going every single day of your life. And he's going to make that plea in this passage. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6, verses 28 through 35, if you guys have your Bibles. Uh, maybe it's on your phone. Maybe you brought a paper copy with you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one, just so you know. Like if you, you don't have one at home, it's not like you just forgot you just don't have one, please come talk to us afterward. We've got some in the back. We'd love to make sure that you go home with one. But this is what Jesus, uh, well, Jesus isn't speaking first, but this is what's happening and Jesus is going to speak. It says in verse 28, then they asked him, what, what must we do to do the works God requires? Okay, you need to understand who these people are. These are people that have been following Jesus. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Well, as far as we know, it's 5,000 men. So it might be more like 11,000 people. Okay, Jesus fed somewhere between five and 11,000 people with five small fishes and two loaves of bread. Switch that, sorry. Two fish, five loaves of bread. My bad. Okay, but he feeds people and does this amazing miracle. Does something amazing and these people are following him. So now we understand who these people are. They're people that have been following Jesus. They want to know what are the works that God requires of us? What must we do? And Jesus, ah, excuse me, I can't talk tonight. Jesus replies, he answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? It's interesting to me, right? They just saw Jesus. Do you guys remember what, what he did? Even though I messed it up, right? Remember what he did? What did he do? He turned five loaves into enough for how many people? Five, five to 11,000 people. We don't know the exact number. We just know there are 5,000 men present. Okay? So they, they say, what will you do to show us that what you have to say is true. Like, what, what will you do? In other words, do another, do another miracle, Jesus. Dance for me, clown. I mean, it's, it's, I can't believe that, that they would even ask that. I mean, if, if I just turned one slice of bread, all of a sudden I was up here and I started multiplying it and just giving you all bread to eat, you guys would be like floored. How is he doing that? Right? You guys would be freaking out if I was able to do that. But then, like, the audacity to then, like, then say, when I'm trying to tell you something that God might want you to hear, all of a sudden you go, well, what are you going to do to show us that uh, what you have to say is true? Were you paying attention a moment ago? Right? And this is crazy talk. This is what they say. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the bread from heaven. Next, next thing there. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. This sounds amazing. Something that's going to sustain me forever? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me 
will never be thirsty. Now, first, I think we need to understand some things because Jesus is actually talking about some history here. And if we don't have an understanding of some of this history, we're going to be lost in what Jesus is trying to say, right? Have you ever walked into a conversation that somebody's having with some friends and then like they're talking about some stuff that had happened before and you don't understand the context of now because you weren't there for what happened, right? That's awkward, right? And so I don't want that to happen to us tonight. I don't want us to have an awkward conversation with Jesus, so I'm going to help you out, okay? There's, there's a lot of symbolism, things that happen in the Old Testament, and bread is a symbol throughout the Old Testament. It's a symbol of provision. It's a symbol of something that's life-giving, something that's sustaining. And when he's talking about Moses, the, the Israelites were wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever lived in the desert. I have. Okay, I used to live out near Palm Springs. It's awful. I would never recommend it. It's like living in a constant sauna, and it's terrible. Okay, people are like, I'm so tired of the rain. Go live in the desert for a little bit. You'll love it here. Okay, uh, but they wander around the desert. There's not a lot of food in the desert for people, right? And so, what happened is that every morning, God would cause manna or like flaky bread to rain down from heaven and they would have just enough to gather to eat and to sustain them every single day. Okay, and whatever was left over at the end of the day would rot. It wouldn't be good. And every morning it would happen again and they would go out and they would collect and they would have enough to sustain them for the day. And this happened for 40 years. So they're talking about when that happened. They're saying, do you remember Jesus? Do you remember that story where, where God sustained us, where he gave us manna from heaven, where he was providing for us day after day after day? And Jesus actually corrects them. He says, look, you guys think it's Moses who did that for you. They have Moses in very high esteem, right? And he says, no, they didn't, he didn't do that for you. God did that for you. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they want this bread. And Jesus then says, I am that bread, which is a little weird. But understand that this is in the ancient world when Jesus lived, bread stood for food. Like if you said, hey, let's make sure we get our daily bread. You're saying, I want to make sure that we have the food we need for today. Bread was such a staple in their diet that it, it was kind of like everything. It would be like if I looked at a room of guys and girls and I say, you guys. Now we know there are girls in this room too, right? So guys is an all-encompassing word, similar to if you were to say bread in, the ancient, in ancient times. It was made daily in their homes and without bread, the idea is that without bread, you died. Bread was extremely important. It's filling and it's a great source for energy, right? Bread is often used, as I said, as a symbol for provision. This is why Jesus says when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, say this, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, in other words give us all that we need to survive and make it through today. Give us everything we need for today. So Jesus says that he's the bread. And here's what I want you guys to get from that. Jesus is the bread means this, is that Jesus is saying to these people, I am going to be the one that fills you and sustains you spiritually in the same way 
that the bread that God gave from heaven to the Israelites in the desert sustained them daily. This is why he goes on in, in verse 35 and after to lay out how this bread will never leave you hungry. Jesus isn't talking about physical hunger. He's talking about a hunger to be filled, a hunger to have, to have a reason for living. And that's the thing about Jesus is that you're never going to fill up on Jesus. There's never going to be a time like, I've had enough Jesus. Ah, whew, I don't think I could take another bite, right? That's not Jesus. Jesus will always be enough and there will always be enough to, to keep on going. There will always be enough Jesus to sustain. I mean, I want you to imagine a bread that every time you take a slice and then you close the fridge and you walk away and you make your sandwich and then you come back and you go to get more bread the next day, it's full again. That's Jesus to us spiritually. There's always more to be had of Jesus. He's like miracle bread, right? Wink, wink. You see what I did there? You like it. Don't lie. All right. But here's what I want us to do with this, because I think it's important that we take what we know about bread in the Bible, the fact that Jesus says he is bread, the thing that should be sustaining us every day. And we have to know, what do we do with that? Well, I want you to know that there's nothing else that can fill or sustain you. Nothing. You can try to sustain yourself with other things. You can try to let other things in your life be the driving force, and it will not work. It won't work. You can try to let it be uh, the stuff that you want to acquire. Here's the problem. That will never sustain you long enough. Because something new will come out. You can try to have it be, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a really good person. And that's going to sustain me through my whole life. I'm be a really good person. But here's the problem. The human condition is incredibly selfish. And one day you will wake up, whether you realize it or not, and you'll go, how come nobody appreciates how selfless I am? Maybe you're going to make it, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to the NFL. And don't lie, some of you guys have crazy good dreams like that, right? Like you're going to play pro sports. Let's say you even make it. What do you do when you're too old to play? Does life still matter? Not if you've placed all your hope in that sport. You're going to wake up one day and realize, I can't do the very thing that's been driving me my entire life. I have to find something else to fill the void. Jesus will never become that for you. You guys, we often fill ourselves with what we want, but it's not the thing that will fill us or make us more healthy. Especially when it comes to our spiritual walk with what are we doing with Jesus? Think of it this way. You guys can stuff your faces with candy because you have a sweet tooth. I mean, you can stuff yourself until you're full because it's what, it's what you hunger for. But in the end, what happens, right? If you've seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, right? You balloon up, you get sick. Bad stuff happens. 
but a steady diet of what we need fills us and leaves us healthy. Hungering for Jesus is what gets us filled every day. Hungering for other things just leaves us unsatisfied, malnourished spiritually. We need to soak up Jesus. We need to get to know him. We need to take up his word and read it. And here's the deal. We did a, uh, if you guys were here on the Sunday that we did right before Christmas break, we took a, uh, we took a poll. We asked you guys some questions about the basics, right? The basics are one focus. You guys gonna help me out here? One focus. Two practices, read the Bible and pray three times a week, okay? And we ask questions like, how many, how many times a week do you read the Bible? Now, this is completely anonymous, so I don't know who answered what, okay? But here's, here's one thing I do know. We didn't give you an option for how many times you read the Bible a week. We didn't give you an option for zero, and we made you answer. And a lot of you answered one, which means I think that was the lowest answer you could choose, and a lot of those ones may have been zero days a week. Maybe I'm just a pessimist. Maybe I'm just seeing the glass half empty. But there's one that I want to show you. It's going to be up here. This was the, this was the uh, we analyze our results, and here's what we got. <clears throat> what is keeping you from spending more time with God? We gave you guys five answers. You could choose up to three. Okay? I'm satisfied with how much I read. I don't know what to read. The middle one there, it cuts it off a little bit, but it says, I don't feel like I have enough time. I don't see the importance. And I don't feel like I know how to read God's word. Like, I think I know, I think you know how to read words. <clears throat> Here's a crazy thing, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. And, this, and, and if I, if I offend you, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry. I don't see the importance. You guys, your lives are probably the least busy right now that they will ever be. Can we have a moment of realism? A moment of honesty? Like your lives are about to get a lot busier as you move out of middle school and on to high school, college, jobs, marriage. Life gets busier. You have more free time now than you will in the future. So when I see an answer that's so filled up right there, 60 plus percent of the answers, I feel like I don't have enough time. Can we be honest and say that saying I don't feel like I have enough time is the same thing at your stage in life as saying I don't see the importance? If you have time, and you see the importance and you'll do it. And you guys have time. Because my life is crazy busy. I got a wife, a mortgage, two car payments. I got a job. I come hang out with you guys. That's my job. Okay? I got two kids and a dog. Guys, my life is busy. I could say, I don't, I don't feel like I have enough time. And even still, I think that would be me saying, I don't see the importance. Because if you see the importance, then you know that you need to make time for it. 
what I want you guys to do is begin to place the right priority on Jesus and understand there's nothing that can fill you like he can. Nothing. I can get, uh, Jared, can you start setting that for me? You guys, I want you to make sure that you spend time with Jesus on the daily. If you're confused about what that looks like, I would love to talk to you. One of the small group leaders in this room would love to help you find a place to start. What we're going to do tonight, because we've been talking about how Jesus is the bread of life, later on in this passage of John chapter 6, uh, Jesus actually starts saying some, some things that sound kind of crazy. Because uh, he starts saying, basically, that if you eat my body and drink my blood, then you are a part of me. Then you're saved. Okay, And so this passage is kind of crazy. And Jesus is actually talking about what's going to come. He's talking about this idea of communion. It's something we're going to do tonight. And if you don't know what communion is, I'm going to explain it. And I'm going to explain who it's for. And I'm going to explain how we are going to do that tonight. And actually, Mark, if you wouldn't mind helping Jared real quick. First of all, I want you to understand, why do we do communion? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the thing that sustains. Every day, we need Jesus. In the same way that every day, the Israelites had to get up and go collect their bread, spend time collecting the provision that God had given them to sustain them throughout the day, or they would die. You guys, we slowly die spiritually if we're not every day picking up the very thing that God has given us to get us through the day. That is your Bible. That is Jesus. We're going to take communion because we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. That he is the bread of life. And what we're going to ask is that only if you've actually accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've made that decision, then communion is for you. Okay, this is, this is a family endeavor. If you're part of that family, we want you to feel free to go and take part. But you might be sitting here going, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to explain really quickly what it means and give you an opportunity. Jesus didn't just say a bunch of things like, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm, I'm the, the, sheep, or the gate to the sheep, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection, I'm the way, I'm the vine. Those are things he said. Jesus didn't just come and teach some good things. Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life to be our example, but also to be our substitute because we do not do that. We do not live perfect sinless lives where we don't do things that are wrong. Jesus came to do that on our behalf. And then he laid himself down willingly to be crucified on a cross, to die and be raised up from death so that we wouldn't have to actually pay the punishment for our own sin, for the things that we've done wrong. So the Bible says that the punishment for sin is death. And death there means eternal, forever separation from God. 
That's what we deserve because of the things that we do that are wrong. Things we call sin. But Jesus came and laid his life down that whoever would believe in him and follow him, call him Lord, they wouldn't experience eternal death and separation from God forever. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. Let's just pray. Let's go before the Lord right now. Here's what I'd like you to do. If you, if you know the person, if you know someone in this room, leaders, students, if you know somebody in this room who, you know they don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would ask that while I'm praying, you be praying for that person that God would move on their heart. If that's you, if you're saying, you know what, I, I don't know what would happen tonight. If, I, if my mom or my dad or whoever's driving me home, we got in a car accident tonight and I died and I had to stand before God, I don't know what would happen. But I'd really like to be a part of God's family. And I just want you to say something very simple in the quietness of your own heart. God, I know that I've messed up. I know that I've sinned. I believe that Jesus paid that penalty for me that I owe at the cross. I believe that Jesus, you rose from the dead and I accept what you've done for me. Will you forgive me of my sins and accept me into your family? Amen. Now, if that's something you've done, and then, then I, I, and I hope somebody in here did, but I, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. What I will ask you to do is this, is if, if you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, that you would tell your small group leader or tell a friend, because there is no shame in telling somebody about that. We'll be stoked for you. But maybe tonight will be the first time that you take communion, or maybe, if we're honest, some of us, maybe tonight's the first time we take communion and it means something to us. Like we've done it before because like the plate passed and we didn't want to like anyone to know. But maybe tonight for you, it's, it's real. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it a little different. If you guys have been in main service, you know, we usually come down the aisles, we pass it along and you take a, uh, a, a cup and, and you take a little piece of bread. We're going to do it a little different. We're going a little old school. So here's what's going to happen is our band, when they come back up, they're going to play a closing song of worship. And if you are somebody who said, you know what, I've followed Jesus with my life, I want you to get up and take communion with us. You're going to go to one of the four tables in the back where there are uh, there are some, some small group leaders there waiting to serve you communion. You're going to go over to one of the bread, the, the breads that are there, and rip off a small piece and dip it into the grape juice that we have back there. And you're going to just take communion right there at the table. Okay? Um, you're going to do that one at a time, right there, right back there at the tables. Now, some of you, we know, hey, you might have a, a gluten allergy, so there's a gluten-free option right back there. Yours is the clear cup and the little sign that says gluten-free, green sign. Okay? Um, and this is going to happen just during this last song of worship. And the, the leaders are there to remind you. They're going to they're gonna say something to you. They're going to say, this is his body broken for you. His blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of him. 
And so as we invite the band to come back up, you guys can come up. As soon as they start playing and you feel like it's time for you to get up, I want you to go ahead and head to one of the stations and take communion. And you guys can come back and join us for worship.